Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano. Woo! What's going on, Devils fans? My name is Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your day to check this episode out. It always means a lot to me. I appreciate all the support. And if you're just listening to, to your first episode here, welcome here to the Devils State of Mind podcast. We talk all things Devils, all things hockey, and everything in between. And every week we have, you know, just something very exciting to talk about. Last week, I had one of my good friends who is a diehard Devils fan like myself, Sean Harrington, as we discussed the, the hiring of Lindy Ruff as the 19th head coach in New Jersey Devils history, and also the hiring uh, officially of Tom Fitzgerald as the newest general manager of the New Jersey Devils. We also kind of, you know, dipped our toe into a couple of other topics, including free agency and also the draft a little bit. And I wanted to expand on that here today. So the main topic of discussion here is I'm going to go over four prospects in this upcoming 2020 NHL draft that I would absolutely love to see the Devils select if possible with the seventh pick. So that was one of the things I want to talk about. I also wanted to discuss some of the free agent rumors and potential players that the Devils could maybe go after either via trade or obviously be, you know, signing them if they are UFAs uh, this offseason. Now, one thing I just want to say up front before I start is simply this. With regards to the players I'm talking about, you know, that are prospects in this year's draft, I am not saying that any of these guys will be available at pick number seven or any of the other picks that the Devils may have in the first round. I'm just saying that these are the four players that are, you know, probably highest on my list. Now, would you know, Lafreniere be on here if the Devils had the first overall pick? Absolutely, you know, like without a doubt. But he's not on here. Some of the other guys that are in the top five are not going to be on here. One player that's probably going to go very early uh, is in this list, and, and I'll get into him in just a minute. Same thing with the, the free agency slash trade rumors. Um, you know, obviously there's no, you know, definitive answers as to if this is a guarantee that the, the Devils are going to go after any of these players. These are just things that I, I researched and I saw online and, and things that people have been talking about that I thought I'd discuss here on the episode today. So without further ado, after getting through all that, let's jump right into it. So we're going to kick things off with the top four prospects I'd love to see the double select with pick number seven. I'm just talking about number seven because obviously there are going to be a ton of players right away that are going to be talented. This is probably one of the deepest, as I've mentioned numerous times before, one of the deepest draft classes we've seen, particularly for the forward position. And I know the doubles are much more keen on trying to upgrade their defense and, you know, certainly get a, a better backup goaltender if they want to go through the draft or free agency, whatever they decide to do. Um, but, you know, those are the two main things. But I think also you look at the fact that there is just a lot of talent with regards to the forwards that they may not jump right into the NHL immediately, but they certainly could be a year or two away. That could definitely be beneficial long-term for the Devils because general manager Tom Fitzgerald said that he would like to build this team around the young core. You know, the guys like Nico Hishier, Jack Hughes, uh, Jesper Bratt, Jesper Boquist, uh, Pavel Zaka, Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, the guys that are in the early to almost mid-20s. So does that mean that, that, that that's going to be the end for some of the other players on this team? Not, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I, I don't think someone like Nikita Gusev is going to be immediately traded away because he's going to be turning 28. I think that most likely he will be signing a longer-term deal. You know, that, that's the way I look at it. Um, but we'll see because there's just so much that we don't know yet because – 
we are still waiting to finish this upcoming, you know, playoff, play-in, whatever you want to call it, uh, 2014 tournament, and then we can finally get into the off-season, if you really want to call it that. But let's jump into the players. The first guy that I think is probably number one on my list, because I think that there's a legitimate chance he could be there at seven, is center from the Ottawa 67s, or as uh, Duncan Keith uh, said a couple weeks ago, the Ottawa Devils, because it just feels like half the team, half the Ottawa 67s are on, are part of the Devils organization, is Marco Rossi, the Austrian. So first of all, the thing that stands out to me is that he's Austrian. There aren't that many Austrian NHL players, and I think that kind of brings more of an intriguing thing when it comes to, you know, having you know, different types of players from different backgrounds and different countries that maybe you don't expect. You know, a lot of the countries you, you'd see are, you know, United States, Canada, Russia, Sweden, um, you know, different places like Finland, uh, different places like that. But, you know, center Marco Rossi, he is Austrian. He is a left-handed, he's a left-handed centerman. He's five foot nine, 179 pounds. He's only 18 years of age. Uh, I believe the age to be allowed to be drafted is either 17 or 18. So this might be the first year of eligibility that Marco Rossi has. And this past season with the Ottawa 67s playing in 56 games, he totaled an impressive 39 goals and 81 assists as he blew away with well over 100 points. Let me just start by saying this. Marco Rossi is probably the most dynamic all-around player in the draft. I think after Alexis Lafreniere, he's probably number two. He could be obviously the best player in the draft. I, I've talked to several people that believe that Marco Rossi could be the guy that long-term is going to be a better player than maybe guys like Byfield or Lafreniere. And that excites me a lot. Now, right away, I know a lot of you Devils fans will say, well, Neil, the Devils have Nico Hishier long-term. They still have Jack Hughes. Why would they want to go after another sentiment? Well, I look at it this way. Sometimes when you're in the draft, you really try to focus on getting players of need, you know, filling in positions that you need the most. But sometimes there's a really talented player on the board that's the best player on the board, and sometimes you just got to get the best player you can. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he would be on the, you know, he would eventually become a New Jersey Devil. He might be used in a piece to try to get a player that the Devils need immediately, you know, a very, you know, a star player, um, a solid, you know, player that can help, you know, the team become better right away. You know, so there's always these possibilities. Just because you get drafted to a team doesn't really guarantee that you're going to be there uh, to start your NHL career or be there long term. So that's just the, the way I look at it. So if the Devils were to have Marco Rossi available at number seven, I can almost guarantee you the Devils would take Rossi because he's just too talented of a player for a team like the Devils to pass up, pretty much any team to pass up. I think if you get after pick five and you get into, you know, pick six, you really have to start thinking about, you know, taking the best player on the board. And that's kind of the advantage I think the Devils have with picking at number seven, because when you're in the top three, there is that immense pressure of taking the player that is projected to be there. So if you have the number one overall pick, you know, you're going to be pressured to take Alexis Lafreniere even if you may have more interest in someone else. Because if you don't take Lafreniere, a lot of people are going to criticize you. And, you know, if Lafreniere becomes a star on another team, you're going to look like a chump, you know, and everything in between. But I've been a big believer that you'd have to wait about three or four years before you can determine whether you made a good selection or not. That's the way I look at it. So an example I would say is, you know, did the Devils make the right decision in drafting Nico Heischer over Nolan Patrick? Well, you look now and it, and I, I would say yes because unfortunately for you know Nolan Patrick he's been hurt a lot and hasn't been able to get to the highest potential that he has for Nico Hishier he's still very very young and could eventually become a Selkie Trophy winner which I think he has the potential to be that way and I think he's just fit into the Devils I think that they were looking for someone like Nico and it definitely worked out. Um, but with Jack Hughes, you can't determine that yet. He's, he hasn't even played a full season in the National Hockey League. And, you know, we can't determine anything right away. And Capo Caco didn't have the world's greatest rookie season either. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, it's, and again, like I said, it takes time to make those decisions. But looking at Marco Rossi, this guy has a lot of speed. And what really stands out to me the most is simply this. 
he goes into the dirty areas to get pucks. He's not afraid to bang the body. He's not afraid to, you know, mix it up. He just wants to do everything and anything to help his team, you know, be successful and win games. And as a result, he's been one of the biggest reasons why the Ottawa 67s have been a consistently talented franchise in the OHL. And, and that's, you know, they're obviously my favorite um, Ontario Hockey League team, probably my favorite junior team in Canada. Uh, they're a joy to watch. Uh, the Devils, like I mentioned before, have a handful of different players that are in their system that play for the Ottawa 67s, including newly acquired Kevin Ball. So for the Devils, it would be an easy pick because they could just ask a lot of, you know, Marco Rossi's teammates about what do they think of him. That could be a good way for them to make a, uh, a definitive scouting report because we don't have a combine this year. You can't do, you know, in-person interviews. I'm sure a lot of teams are going to be doing Skype interviews and Zoom interviews. But, you know, I think that they have an advantage. The Devils have an advantage over some other teams when you look at it and say, hey, what do you think about, you know, Marco Rossi? And they could probably tell them because they play with them on a consistent basis. But I think Marco Rossi really made a case to be a top five prospect considering how dominant he was this year. So he would be the first guy that I would love to see the Devils get if he's available at number seven. Now the next guy is probably out of the, out of the four that I chose, the one that is the least likely going to be there at seven. I think most of the NHL would be shocked if he was still there at number seven. And that is Tim Stutzel from Germany. He actually plays for, and I apologize right away if I pronounce this incorrectly, Adler Mannheim. And that team plays in the DEL or the Dutch Ice Hockey Liga. So that is the professional hockey league in Germany. Now, Tim Stutzel is a left winger and the Devils do need some help on the wings. And, you know, Stutzel would be a great pickup. I'm telling you right now that, you know, as much as I love Marco Rossi, I love Tim Stutzel a little bit more. Now, when you look at his production this past year with, with Adler Mannheim, he played in 41 games, had just seven goals and 27 assists. So all around, I mean, stats-wise, it doesn't wow you. And when Stutzel played for the German under-20 team, he played 13 games, two goals, 12 assists, which is pretty solid. I think Stutzel reminds me a little bit more of Nikita Gusev, where basically you look at it this way. Gusev came in as this dynamic goal scorer, and he became much more of a tremendous distributor and playmaker. Stutzel could be the exact same way, considering if you look at his stat line, he seems to do a really good job of setting up guys rather than scoring. But that doesn't mean that Stutzel can't become a dynamic goal scorer as well. If he can, you know, average, you know, 25 to 30 goals a year and, you know, 40 to 50 assists per year, I mean, you have your, an all-around great talent. Stutzel is projected to be either the second or third best player in this draft behind Lafreniere and possibly Byfield. So I think that most likely Stutzel will be gone by the time the seventh pick comes around. So I don't want to get too far into this because, again, like a lot of people have mentioned, Stutzel is going to go much earlier. But if by some chance, some miracle, he's there, I think the Devils would want to go after him because – we haven't had that many talented German players in a while. And I think that now we're starting to see a young, a young player from Germany like Stutzel. That just, you know, intrigues you a lot more. Because when you find players in countries that are not producing a lot of consistent NHL talent, you start to take a look at them a lot more if they come out of those countries. So same thing with Marco Rossi. He's Austrian. When was the last time we had a very talented Austrian player? I can't really remember off the top of my head. Same thing with Stutzel. But I think that Stutzel is a guy that, frankly, he could be a top six winger right away in the NHL. I think he's a guy that probably will be in the NHL immediately. I think he's ready for it. He played against a lot of older players. He played against men for the most part in the DEL. Uh, the only time he played against people his age was when, he's, when he was with the German under-20 team. And the scouting report on Stutzel is simply this. This guy is a sniper. Even though, obviously, he didn't have the world's greatest amount of goals, he is a sniper. He has a nose for the goal. He wants to shoot it as much as possible. And that's something that I think the Devils at times have lacked. They, they've lacked a, a handful of guys that really have a nose for the goal. I think they're starting to get more guys like that. And adding someone like Stutzel would be great. 
But I think bottom line, the chances of Stutzel being there at seven is pretty unlikely. But again, if the Devils are at seven and Stutzel's there, I, I think most likely you got to go with, with Stutzel, you know, above everyone else, even if there's someone of a position of need that's also available there. Now, the next guy is right winger Alexander Holtz. Now, I just want to say up front also that I made a post on both the Devil's State of Mind Instagram page at Devil's State of Mind and on Twitter at Devil's State that also showed these top four guys. So if you saw that post and then you're listening to this podcast episode, you probably know the guys, you know, the rest of the guys that I'm going to be mentioning. But I wanted to kind of go into a little bit more detail as to why I chose these guys. But yeah, Alexander Holtz, a right winger. He plays for Gardens IF in the Swedish Hockey League or the SHL. So that is the prime uh, professional hockey league in Sweden. And I just want to say up front that, look, there are a lot of talented players in the NHL who are from Sweden who have actually played at one time or another in the SHL. So any guy that comes out that is that talented coming out of that league gets a lot of notice. And Alexander Holtz, even though he is not a top five prospect, he could consider to be one of the top three or four best players coming out of this draft. You know, just because you're in a certain position in the mock draft doesn't mean that you're going to project it to be the fifth or sixth best player coming out of it. You know, teams could get a steal in later rounds and later on in the first round. And Alexander Holtz could be one of those steals. And from speaking with a lot of Devils fans, they seem to think that this is probably the best guy that the Devils get and probably the most likely player that will be there at seven. So let's talk a little bit more about Alexander Holtz. He is Swedish, makes a lot of sense. He's a right-handed right winger. He's six foot, 183 pounds. And here's a little bit interesting thing when it comes to him playing on the national stage. He won a gold medal at the World Junior Championships in 2018, and he won a bronze this past year in the World Junior Championships in this year in 2020. With the team that he was playing for in the SHL, he had 38, he played in 38 games, at 16 goals and nine assists, and he's only 18 years of age. With the Swedish U20 team, he played in all 24 games, eight goals and six assists. That's pretty good. He really did a very solid job of being on the top line with the Sweden under-20 team. I think what will be interesting for Sweden going forward, especially now that we're going to be having Olympic hockey in 2022, I would be very interested to see if he would make that full team, if he's going to get a chance to play on the Swedish national team at all over the next couple of years. Uh, and I think that Sweden is, hope, is counting on him to be a part of that, you know, Olympic team, um, you know, in the next couple of years. But we'll see. But let me just say this about Alexander Holt. I think that this kid is probably more likely a, you know, dual threat type of player. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is simply this. When you say dual threat in football, the thing that comes out is, you know, he can both, as a quarterback, you can throw the ball and he can also run. So he can be dangerous both ways. That's the same thing that I see with Alexander Holt. And what I'm using is both his offense and his defense. This is a guy that could be very much a talented top six two-way forward. He can certainly, you know, distribute and score, you know, with ease at times, but he can also play very solid defense. And I think that, I think that the Devils would benefit from having some more guys that not only could you know, contribute very well offensively, but also could help out the defense um, if they need a, you know, a, a winger to kind of help out in the back end. So I think that this is somebody that the Devils could really benefit from. And here's another thing. Holtz is one of those guys that he doesn't necessarily need to come to the NHL immediately. I think that anybody the Devils take at number seven, unless it's probably Stutzel, is probably not going to be on the team going into the 2021 season. I think that's just the, real, the realistic uh, mindset that we have to have. I just think the chances are very, very soft. And there's nothing wrong with that either, because let's face it, Ty Smith, a couple of years ago, was drafted in the middle of the first round, and he has yet to play in the NHL, and the Devils have groomed him very well, where I think he'll have a legitimate shot of making the team going into this next season. The same thing could be said for Alexander Holt. So, I think that Devils fans would be very excited to get him. And I think that out of probably the, the four guys I mentioned, he might be the most likely and highest talented player that will be available at seven. Because again, like some of the other guys I mentioned, Lafreniere, Byfield, uh, Stutzel, Marco Rossi, 
you know, those guys most likely will be picked in the top five, top six. So I think that the Devils will probably look at that and say, we might do a little bit more extra research and scouting on Holtz because I think that there's a good chance he'll be there at seven. So that'll be a guy to keep our eye on when we get to the draft as to where he may fall if he's, and if he actually gets to pick seven. And the last guy that I want to talk about is a winger in Lucas Raymond. Now, this is another guy that I think has a legitimate chance of being there at number seven. I think if Holtz were to somehow go at pick five, pick six, I think then Lucas Raymond would be the next guy that the Devils would definitely try to look at. Now, the thing about Lucas Raymond is this. He can play both on the left side or the right wing side. That is great because he's a guy that if he eventually gets to the NHL with the Devils, they can move him around. They don't have to specifically say, okay, he's a left winger. Uh, where can we fit him? Do we fit him bottom six or top six? No, this is a guy that you could fit on both sides and he would play very well. He's very comfortable. From a lot of the highlights and scouting that I was able to look at from Raymond, I did see him play on both sides and he looks comfortable both ways. So this is a guy that definitely could be very beneficial as a Swiss Army knife type of winger if the Devils were to take him. Now, he plays for Forlunda HC in the SHL. And fun fact, Henrik Lundqvist and his brother Joel both played for Forlunda. So when you talk about, you know, popular alum from that team, those are probably the two, particularly Henrik Lundqvist, that people would associate with. So clearly this is one of the bigger teams in the SHL. And Raymond is only 18 years of age. He is Swedish. He's 5'10", 165 pounds. So again, another small, very skinny player. And we have to just take that into consideration that a lot of these players, when they come to the NHL or when they get drafted, they're not, you know, they're not going to be massively big bodies. They have to learn to build their body. That's what Nico Hishier eventually learned. That's what Jack Hughes is, is definitely learning and probably trying to accomplish this offseason. You know, this is just something that you have to get used to. And I think for guys like Raymond and Holtz, since they played against a lot of, you know, professional players and a lot of older players, they might have a little bit more of an advantage of understanding what it's like to get the, you know, bang the body around with a lot of these older players that are going to be much more physical. But here's some more things on Lucas Raymond. Uh, he's a right-handed shooter. He won a gold medal with the World Junior at the World Junior Championships in 18. He also played with Alexander Holtz on the Swedish U20 team. So he won the same gold medal in 2018 and the same bronze in 2020. He is a two-time Champions Hockey League champion. So he's been on a very successful Florida team. In 42 games this past season, he scored seven goals and added 17 assists. He also, on the Swedish U20 team, a little bit more of a balanced player, I would say. In the 22 games he played in, he scored five goals and five assists. So here's the thing. Holtz and Raymond played on the same line together on the first line for the Sweden under-20 team. They both had tremendous chemistry. And I think when it comes to, you know, doing interviews, if, if they're going to do interviews on Zoom, I think that what you're probably going to see is general managers and scouts asking them, asking these players to give reports on each other. And, I, and that'll be good because then you could get some very honest and, you know, very detailed understanding and opinions on these players. When I look at a guy like Lucas Raymond, very similar to Alexander Holtz, he could be a guy that could be very much a two-way forward. Um, I think that he's a little bit quicker uh, than Alexander Holtz. And I think sometimes the Devils have lacked some really speedy guys. And so I think this would be somebody that when I look at these four players that I mentioned, he might be the guy that has the quickest path to the NHL because I think he has an advantage because he's a little bit faster. Um, even though he's a little bit skinnier than some of the other guys, I think that, that he could use that to his advantage to kind of sneak through some defenders. And again, he has an advantage just like Alexander Holtz that he's played in a professional league and has been kind of used to banging the body around with older grizzly, grizzly type of players. So at the end of the day, when I look at these four players, the Devils really can't lose. There was a legitimate shot that at least two, maybe three of these guys will be available at seven. If three of the four guys are available at seven, that's going to make it a lot tougher. It obviously will be easier if only one of the guys is there because you could say, okay, let's go from there. For all we know, the Devils could, you know, draft somebody completely different that I didn't mention. Um, and so we have to look at that. 
so let's let's keep in mind um, with that. I know Luke Quinn um, is definitely another guy from the Ottawa 67s that a lot of people are talking about. I think that if the Devils are going to draft him, they might draft him with one of the other picks that they may potentially get, whether it's from Arizona or Vancouver. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think bottom line, the Devils are going to get a very talented player that may not jump to the NHL immediately, but certainly in a year or two could help in this, you know, constant rebuild of getting a lot of very young, talented players into the team. So I think the Devils are going to be in pretty good shape at pick number seven, regardless of who they take. So now I want to jump into the Devils free agency rumors. And there's a handful of them, some of them more possible than others. And so I don't want you guys to freak out or anything. I just want you to hear me out and just let me explain why they're rumors and why there's a possibility with any of these guys that the Devils could go after. The first one is per Matt Larkland, the Devils could use cap space to pursue forward Mike Hoffman from the Florida Panthers as a complimentary piece for Jack Hughes this offseason. Right now, Mike Hoffman has a 5.187 cap hit. He will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. The Panthers are in the 2014 playoff. So once that, their season is over, then the Devils, I'm sure, will try to make a move. Now, there is obviously, with all these rumors, no guarantee that they're going to go after them. There's always the possibility that the Panthers could try to sign Mike Hoffman long-term. I think he's certainly earned a higher pay rise. And, you know, if the Devils could get Mike Hoffman, that would be great. And he would absolutely be on that second line with Jack Hughes. And it would help because Jack Hughes definitely needs some guys that he can help distribute the puck to to set up and, and, you know, try to, you know, really get his game going. And I think someone like Mike Hoffman with his speed and his impressive wrist shot would be great. This past season, uh, Mike Hoffman played in 69 games, nice, with 29 goals and 30 assists. Now, that's really good. That's really, you know, consistent and very good because, you know, the, the, the difference between goals and assists was pretty much even. So that's really good because that means that this guy can do it both ways. And that's, the, and that's something I think the Devils have also lacked. Not only do they lack guys with a nose for the goal, but I think they've also lacked some guys that can do it both ways. And that's what I really enjoyed about Nikita Gusev. Not only could he score, but he could certainly set up guys for some impressive goals. So when I look at this, what do I think? And I think what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do with each one of these players that in rumors that I mentioned, I'm going to give you a scale of one to 10 with 10 being very likely and one being the most unlikely with regards to ranking of what I see this move. So with regards to Mike Hoffman, where do I rank this move? I rank it between six and seven. I think there is a legitimate shot. The Panthers, like a lot of teams, are going to be very much uh, struggling with cap because the cap is staying, you know, exactly where it was before this season due to the fact that, you know, COVID-19 kind of shook up everything. And so the Devils, with knowing that they have the lowest cap space of any team in the NHL, they have the most cap space, you know, the Devils are definitely – going to probably take advantage of, you know, getting some play, getting a player or two that can help the team immediately. And Mike Hoffman is certainly that type of player. And I would definitely love to see the Devils get him because he's a guy that would absolutely help complement Jack Hughes and help expedite his development. So I would give this a six or seven, uh, possibly as a move the Devils could make. And Tom Fitzgerald, now that he's the general manager, I'm sure he has a plan in, in mind that he's going to try to execute as best as he can. Now, the next rumor or possible re-signings, if you want to call it that, is per Amanda Stein from the Devils. He spoke with Tom Fitzgerald last week, just after it was announced that he was going to be the newest general manager of the Devils. The Devils are in talks with Mackenzie Blackwood and Jesper Bratt on contracts extensions for this offseason. They are both restricted free agents. So, Clearly, the Devils want to bring both these guys back, particularly Mackenzie Blackwood, because he is your franchise goaltender. Whether people, you know, outside the Devils organization want to say he's a franchise goaltender or not, Mackenzie Blackwood right now is the best goaltender the Devils have. That's just a fact. And the Devils need to lock him up. Now, Blackwood has said through Mike Morale several times this past week that he wants to be with the Devils long term. He believes that if, you know, him, Nico Hishier, Jack Hughes, uh, Jesper Bratt, Pavel Zaka, 
if they could all stay together for several more years and build that chemistry and build that culture, that this team could become a very competitive and eventually Stanley Cup team. And those are the things you want to hear as a Devils fan. You want to hear that these guys want to be here. They want to help make a difference. They want to help, you know, get the Devils back to being a very, very good team. And Mackenzie Blackwood really had a tremendous year despite the lack of defensive help, at times the lack of goal-scoring help. He bailed at the Devils numerous times, very similar to what Corey Schneider did for a couple of years when the Devils, you know, really struggled to score a lot. You know, Corey Schneider many times, and if you are younger than I am, you probably don't remember this as much, but Corey Schneider for a couple of years, stats-wise, was one of the best goaltenders in the league. It was just the win-loss record looked really bad because the Devils weren't helping him. And that was the same thing you could argue this past season. Blackwood at times just stood on his head, but didn't win the game because the Devils just weren't helping him that much. But I think the Devils are going to be very aggressive with trying to get Blackwood signed long-term. He is your goaltender of the future. And I think that with regards to the scale, I think this is an, an 8, 9, or 10. I think this is going to be a very likely decision that the Devils will make to sign him. Blackwood wants to be here. He says he's willing to work out a deal, and that's going to be the thing. I think most likely with the deal, you're going to see between a six- and seven-year extension, very similar to Nico Heischer's extension. And it might be a lot of money, but I think because, you know, the cap is going to be rising a lot over the next two or three years, it's going to look more and more like a team-friendly deal that's going to benefit Blackwood, and it's certainly going to benefit the Devils long-term. So that's something that we should keep our eye on. Now, with Jesper Bratt, Jesper Bratt jumped onto the scene two years ago and immediately showed that he has dynamic goal-scoring ability. Now, over the past two seasons, he's kind of, you know, gone in and out with regards to, you know, being in, you know, being on the top six and then kind of, you know, struggling from here. This year was definitely a difficult year at times for Jesper Bratt, but once you saw him build that chemistry with Zajac and Gusev, he took off once again, and he proved why he deserves to be here long-term. He came in the same year as Nico Hishier, and those guys definitely love playing together. I, do I think that there's a possibility that Jesper Brack could be on the first line? Yes, absolutely. Unless the Devils were to make moves to get somebody that could jump right in to the, uh, to the first line, I think that you know, Jesper Brack most likely would get an opportunity to be on the first line. With regards to his newest extension, where do I see it? I see it between four and five years uh, with him. And, you know, it just makes sense. Or maybe even a fifth year, if you want to add a fifth year in there. I think a lot of players tend to like that, to have a little bit more security. So I think that it might be a four or five-year deal for Jesper Bratt. And it'll be between three and four million dollars per year. So I, and I think that's going to be fair. Because, again, it might seem like a lot of money up front. But long-term, because the salary cap is rising, it's going to be another team-friendly deal. And Jesper Brown also wants to be here long-term. Blackwood wants him to be here. I think that they're going to come to an agreement. So again, just like the Blackwood rumor, I think I'm going to give this an 8, 9, or 10 because I think that this is going to be most likely some of the moves we're going to see. I think the Devils, particularly Tom Fitzgerald, is going to focus on keep, you know, signing the young guys long-term and then focusing on everything else. He's already said that most likely the Devils are not going to go after any big UFAs. So I think if we're going to see any moves that are going to be news, really, really big newsworthy, it's going to be extensions for guys like Blackwood and Brett and possibly Nikita Gusev because Gusev is on the last year of his deal. Same thing with Kyle Palmieri. They may not work out a deal with either one of them until after this next season or, you know, whenever. So we'll see. There's still a lot of time left before the offseason kind of begins. So the Devils have a lot of time to figure this, figure this whole thing out. And, and I think that those two signing, those two extensions are going to be the most likely moves you're going to see this offseason from the Devils. Now, here comes another, here comes the, probably the biggest one. The biggest one because it, is, it was a topic of discussion last week, and it still is to an extent this week. Last Monday, reports came flying out of everywhere that the Canucks are looking to possibly move Brock Besser. Now, I talked about this with Sean Harrington, and Sean really would love to see the Devils go after Brock Besser. Now, here's a little bit of more information for those of you that don't know who Brock Besser is. He is a right winger. He's 23 years of age. He's six foot one, 
208 pounds. He, this past season, he played in 56 games, had 16 goals, and 29 assists. And that was considered a down year for him. Now I'll explain why. The last two seasons, um, the last two seasons, Brock Besser had 29 goals two years ago, and the previous year had 26 goals. So the fact that this is considered a down year scoring-wise shows that Brock Besser is a very, very good player. He also had 55 points last season and 56 points two years ago. So again, this guy is definitely a consistent point getter. Now, Jim Benning, the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, denied rumors the last 24 to 48 hours saying, I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know why you guys believe this, but it's not true. A lot of general managers tend to say these things, and there are times where they're pretty much lying. Um, I think that there is substance to this. I think that there is the possibility that the Canucks may move off from someone like Brock Besser, even though I think that the Canucks will be making a mistake. The reason why that they're probably that the rumors came out and that why this is a possibility is because the Canucks want to move Louis Erickson's contract, which is he, he still has $12 million left, $6 million per year, on his six-year $36 million deal he signed with the Bruins before he was traded to the to the Vancouver Canucks. So the Canucks want to move away from his contract because they are very much wanting to re-sign Tyler DeFoley, who they traded for from the Los Angeles Kings, uh, Jakob Markstrom, their starting goaltender, Jake Bertanen, and eventually uh, Hughes. So uh, Quinn Hughes, to be exact. Uh, so basically, this seems like a move that, or a rumor that I think definitely has the possibility too, because if that's true that they're trying to re-sign a lot of their other younger, you know, young core players, they may have to unfortunately get rid of one of those top tier players, even if they don't want to. Because again, with the cap space staying where it is for the next year or two years, it's going to make teams like Vancouver, who are salary caps, you know, uh, tight, you know, have to move on from some players. And I'm sure that the Devils, knowing that they have the most cap space, would be more than happy to take on Louis Erickson's contract if it meant they could get a talented player like Brock Besser. Now, if the Devils were to make a move and acquire Brock Besser, without a doubt, he's on your first line. I don't think there's any question about it. I think that most likely he would play on the right wing. I mean, there's always a possibility that they can move Kyle Palmieri to the left wing because I don't think you're keeping Kyle Palmieri out of the top line. But if you get Brock Besser, you immediately just added another really talented, very young, by the way, goal scorer. Because again, if Tom Fitzgerald wants to revolve the team around the early 20, mid-20 players, Brock Besser fits into that perfectly. Like I said, he's 23 years of age. Now, what do I think would be the most acceptable deal, I think, in my opinion, that the Devils could make to try to get Brock Besser? Well, it actually comes from the Pucks and Pitchforks article about the three possible deals that the Devils could make. And if you haven't go checked it out, you know, check it out, please, and, and uh, you know, look at it because it's very good. Uh, but the deal that I like the most was the Devils acquire Brock Besser in exchange for defenseman David Severson and the 2020 first-round pick from Arizona. Now, David Severson still has the potential to be a very, very good defenseman. He's been here very long. Uh, he's been here since, I think, 2014, if I'm not mistaken. And so the question right now is this. Is Damon Severson ready to take that next step? Does he, need to, does he need a change of scenery to really, you know, elevate his game? This could be a possibility. Vancouver needs to upgrade their defense a little bit, and Damon Severson could be a guy that could be paired with Quinn Hughes, and they could have a very good top defensive parent. I think that that's – I think that's something that could be very beneficial for the, for the Canucks. Now, again, there's always the possibility that Devils could say, we'll also take Louis Erickson's contract off your hands. And that, would, that might be the icing on the cake. Because if Brock Besser were to just get traded for Severson in a first, I think the Devils still would, would win this deal. Because, again, the Canucks would still be stuck with Louis Erickson's deal. I think with any deal that revolves around Brock Besser, Louis Erickson's contract has to be in there. Now, Louis Erickson does have a no-trade clause in his deal. So, Erickson would have to agree on this. So, that's going to make it even tougher for the Canucks. So, I think that most likely, this would be the deal that I would be most okay with. Would it, you know, is there a possibility the Devils could include Ty Smith? Yes, but I think the Devils 
knowing that he's their top prospect, definitely do not want to move him. They haven't even had him play in the NHL yet, so we don't even know if he's going to be an NHL all-star defenseman like a lot of people have been saying, and a lot of people have been counting on. So I think that that's definitely going to be a no. Um, the Devils, like I said, with the fact that they have the most cap space of any team, would probably want to just take advantage of teams, not have to give up big value for anybody if they have to. So I think this move, trading Severson and the first-round pick from, you know, potentially from Arizona, I think that would be a good deal that would have good value for both sides. And it would be a great move for Tom Fitzgerald, who's already made solid moves this past trade deadline. I would definitely trust him to make a move like that. And we'll see. Again, I think we won't have any definitive answers to whether this is going to happen or not until we get to the offseason. That's the way I look at it. And there's so many questions that need to be answered beforehand. So let's just pump the brakes on this. But with regards to the ranking, I give this honestly a four or five. I think this is 50-50. I could go either way. Um, if the Canucks want to sign, you know, long-term a lot of these other players, they're going to have to move one of these guys. Um, obviously, the only really talented young players the Canucks have that, that are definitely not going to be traded are Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. Um, but there's some other guys that could easily walk and be free agents from Vancouver that maybe the Devils could be interested in. I don't know. But with regards to possibly Brock Besser, I, I'd give it a four out of five, honestly. Now, the next guy I want to bring up is a potential UFA. And I think that this is a guy that the Devils could certainly bring in that could help the Devils immediately. And that is Evgeny Dadinov, who also plays for the Florida Panthers. Now, Dadinov is, is going to be a player that Devils fans are not going to be, you know, going crazy for. But it's somebody we're going to sit there and say, you know, that's actually a solid pickup. Uh, Dadinov at this time is 31 years of age. He will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the 1920 season. So whenever the Panthers season is over, uh, pr or pretty much when the NHL, the 1920 season is going to be officially over, Dadinov will be a free agent, unless the Panthers decide to sign him to another contract. Dadinov was drafted by the Panthers back in 2007, and he played a couple of years in the KHL with, with Nikita Gusev. So they're actually they were actually teammates for a couple of years. So that might be a way to kind of convince Dadinov to maybe come to New Jersey. You know, we'll see. But like I said, you know, Dadinov will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of, the, uh, end of this season. He is a winger. Now, the NHL considers him a left winger, but other people consider him both a left and right winger. So he could be a Swiss Army knife winger that could play on both sides. And again, it's always a good thing to have a guy that can play in multiple positions because you can move him around and you can continue to keep him, you know, keep a talented player like him in the lineup all the time. So that's, so that's definitely a good thing. Um, here's the goal line for Dadinov the past three years, 28, 28, and 25. That's really good. That's consistent. That's a guy that is on the cusp of being a 30-goal scorer and very similar to Kyle Palmieri, without a doubt. Uh, point line the last three years is 65, 70, and 47. You know, 47 is still very solid. Um, it's better than some of, the, some of the top players the Devils have right now. So, again, that enough, even though he's, he's in the early stages of his 30s and, you know, with regards to what Tom Fitzgerald is saying, doesn't totally fit the mold as a, you know, do we want to take an older player or not? You know, he could still be a very valuable player if the Devils were to go out and get him. Now, let's talk about contract. If the Devils were to be in negotiations with that enough to possibly sign him, I would say his money range is going to be between four and six million dollars per year, which seems like a lot, but it really isn't when you really look at it. And term, probably between three, four or five years, he might get a fifth year option because again, players like to have that, you know, security. So I think that that would be somebody that we could definitely look at to be a guy that could definitely be either a second line winger or maybe even possibly bottom six if the Devils want to go that route and could help develop some of the younger players in the bottom six. So I think Dadinov could probably get a, a pretty solid deal from the Devils if he wanted to go there. Uh, there's always the possibility that the Panthers could re-sign him. Uh, the Panthers are still a competitive team. Uh, I'm sure that the Panthers want to try to stay consistent as possible, and losing somebody like Dadinov um, may not be the smartest thing. But if the Panthers want to try to keep Mike Hoffman long-term, then Dadinov would probably be the guy that would be left out and have to go to unrestricted free agency. So the Panthers most likely won't keep both of these guys. So one of these guys is going to go. 
I think Dadinov is probably the more likely player to go. And as far as the ranking goes, I'm going to give this a five, six, seven range. I think that there, I think there's a good chance. I think that with regards to a veteran type player that could help develop the young players, Dadinov could be that. I think with his, you know, obviously relationship that he has with Nikita Gusev, he could certainly help Gusev continue to get more comfortable playing in the NHL and it could help benefit him uh, and help him take that next step to being the very talented player that a lot of people expect Gusev to be. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, Dadinov could be one of those guys that we could have, you know, once the team gets really good and still be a consistent player to help us win. So he would certainly be a guy that could that would be signed to also be a player that could help the Devils win some games in the now and, you know, also help in the future. So, you know, I, liked, I, I would like that signing if the Devils were to go after him. Now, the next guy I want to talk about is a guy that was rumored several times last offseason to maybe go to the Devils and could still possibly go to them via trade because he's on the last year of his two-year bridge deal, as they called it, is Patrick Lining. Now, again, I know some of you Devils fans might fly off the handle and say, Neil, we, we did this already. It's not going to happen. Well, look, it's not impossible because, again, Line A is going to be on the last year of his two-year bridge deal that he signed prior to this past 1920 season. The Devils, out of all the teams in the NHL, had probably the most interest in trading for him before the Devils went out and acquired Nikita Gusev. I think had the Devils made it, you know, made a, a big offer to the to the Jets, I think the Jets may have done it because Line A had expressed that he wanted a long-term deal. He was somewhat interested in leaving Winnipeg. And, you know, it looked like for a while that maybe there was the possibility the Jets could move on from him. Now, there is still that possibility. There aren't that many rumors out there at the moment. Again, all these things could amp up and become more possible once the season is over. The Jets are in the 2014 playoff. They are taking on the Calgary Flames. And things could change in a couple weeks if the Jets were to get knocked out in the play-in round by the Calgary Flames. But like I said, the Devils had interest in him, and there's always the chance that they could have interest in him again going into this offseason. Line will be a free agent after the 2021 season. The Jets need a lot of defensive help. I mean, they lost Jacob Truba. Dustin Bufflin pretty much retired. They are lacking defense, and that's going to be the reason why I don't think Winnipeg's going to go far in the postseason this year. Um, if they got knocked out in the play-in round, I think the defense is going to be that, that reason why. Um, I think that's also a big reason why Hellebuck has the stats to be considered possibly a Vesna Trophy winner this year because he had to bail out the defense a lot this past season. So the Devils, with some intriguing prospects and also defensive players they have now, could probably work out a deal that could get the Devils' Patrick Line in. Now, the biggest question would be this. It, there's, it's a two-part question. The first part is, would Patrick Line want to come to New Jersey? Would he be happy coming here? You know, considering Winnipeg's closer to being a Stanley Cup contender than the Devils right now, that, you know, he might not be thrilled about that. Um, also, could the De if that if if Liney wants to be here long term, what type of deal could the Devils make for him? Because you have some other players like Jack Hughes, whose deal will eventually come up, and you'll need to sign him long term if you think it's worth it. So there there's going to be a lot of questions with this. Um, Patrick Liney's been criticized a lot for the lack of his defensive play, his attitude, you know, kind of his personality. But let me be clear. Patrick Liney is a goal scorer, plain and simple. I mean, he had a five-goal game against St. Louis last year. He's a 40-plus goal scorer the last couple of years. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Liney is a dynamic goal scorer, and he would be perfect on the Devils. For a guy that could give you 35 to 40 goals a season, I don't remember the last time the Devils had, maybe Ilya Kovalchuk, but I cannot tell you off the top of my head, the last time the Devils had a guy who could score that much that often. And if the Devils are able to build their defense with young players, I wouldn't necessarily be that mad to have at least one guy that cared primarily about putting the puck in the back of the net. Because again, the Devils at times have lacked a guy with a nose for the goal. Patrick Line is that type of player. And I would absolutely love and go nuts 
if the Devils could make a deal. Now, with regards to the deal, what would it look like? Well, I think that it has to include uh, a combination of Damon Severson, because again, they need defensive help. Jesper Boquist, because he might just be lost in the shuffle at this point, even though I still think that he has a chance to be on the Devils and can still be a very, very dynamic player. And possibly Kevin Ball, who the Devils got in the Taylor Hall trade. And, and also probably a first, maybe this year or next year, and a second-round pick as well. The Devils would not make this move if they can't sign him long-term. Long I think if the Devils are in a position where they can make a trade, I think what they would probably do is contact Line A and ask him straight up, would you want to come here and would you want to sign a long-term deal? If he says yes to those, then you make this deal. If he's uncertain or doesn't want to, don't. It's not worth it. It's not worth to have him for one year and then him go somewhere else and give up all those assets when you don't have to. Kevin Ball is still unproven. He is a big six foot seven offensive defenseman who can bang the body. If he becomes a little bit more physical, this guy is going to be an all-around great defenseman for the Devils long-term if they want to keep him. And he still has yet to play a game in the NHL like Ty Smith. So again, you know, he's unproven and we don't know how good or bad he actually is. So let's keep in mind with that. Um, with Severson, again, maybe a, a change of scenery going to a team that's a little bit closer to being a Stanley Cup contender might help him elevate his game. And just for Boquist, like I said, he's been at times lost in the shuffle. This was that first year where he really got his feet wet with the NHL. I think now when he got sent back down to Binghamton and started lightening it up, I think he'll have a lot more confidence going into this season. And I think the Devils should really give him an opportunity to try and really make the team. And I think he would have a good opportunity too. But again, if Patrick Liney is saying, I would really like to come to New Jersey, uh, I would definitely sign a long-term deal. I'm sorry, but I, I would make a deal. I would definitely try to make a deal that could bring him here because that would help elevate and expedite a little bit the rebuild of the Devils to try to become a very, very solid eventual Stanley Cup contender. And I would, I would definitely do it. But as far as the possibilities, and I'm talking about it from right now standpoint because everything could change in the next couple months, i give this a three or four, honestly. There's always a possibility, but I think that there's a really good chance it's probably either not going to happen now, um, it could happen later on, or the Jets could just sign him to a long-term extension after the season. It might also depend on how he does in the postseason. You know, so let's keep in mind with that. Now, the last guy that I want to talk about here is probably the one that is the least likely out of every single rumor I could find, the least likely going to happen. And that is Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau. Don't, don't click out of this podcast, Devils fans. Let, just hear me out and you'll understand why this was even a rumor and why it is a rumor at all, basically. First of all, I've already heard rumors that Johnny Gaudreau could be on his way out. The Calgary Flames have kind of looked at Johnny Gaudreau, especially this past year, were not satisfied with the way he played. He only had 18 goals and 58 points this year. And some people say that he looked a little bit more timid, kind of went away from the puck, uh, not as aggressive as he's been in other years. And so the, the, the Flames may want to look to move him to maybe try to bring in a player of the same caliber, um, possibly maybe like a Taylor Hall. You know, I don't know. Um, you know, it just depends on the situation. And again, just like with a lot of these other players, they're in the 2014 playoff. The Flames are playing the Jets. So the Flames are not going to be thinking about this, even if they are, might, even if they may do something like this, until well after the season. So let's just, nothing that I mentioned is probably going to happen anytime soon. Okay, so let, let, let's just look at it that way. So Johnny Gaudreau has two years left on his current deal with the Flames. It is a $6.75 million average annual value, or AAV as they call it. He is 26 years of age, so he's right at the beginning of the prime of his career. And the goal totals the past three years are 24, 36, and then this past season, 18. He had 84 points two years ago. The year prior, he had 99 points, just shy of 100, and then 58 points this past season. So Johnny Gaudreau is still a phenomenal player. And obviously, if he were to come to the Devils, people would love it. Partially also because he is from Jersey, albeit he's from way down in South 
Southwest Jersey, uh, Salem, New Jersey, to be correct, uh, to be uh, to be exact. And Johnny Gaudreau did grow up to be a Flyers fan. And Johnny Gaudreau had kind of made it public that at some point he would like to go play for the Flyers. So it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for the Devils to trade and acquire Johnny Gaudreau if in a year or two he just leaves the Devils and goes to the Flames uh, because you don't want to give up any sort of uh, value. And I'm not going to get into trade packages because, again, this is probably out of the trade rumors the most unlikely one and out of the rumors in general the most likely one. So like I said, I would give this a one or two, maybe even a zero, because again, I think Johnny Gaudreau is too talented a player for the Flames to get rid of now. Again, he still has two years left on his deal, so he could still prove himself to be a star player that the Flames try to keep long-term. Um, and the Devils have other options they could go to within their own farm system and unrestricted free agency and other trades. Even, I think a Patrick Lining trade would be more likely um, than, than a Johnny Gaudreau trade. So, so, yeah, I mean, I just – I don't see this as a possibility. But, again, if the Devils were to make a move and get him and they get him long-term, you know, that's just awesome. That's great. I would absolutely love it. So, that was pretty much, you know, the discussion with the Devils rumors. Um, as always, I would love for you guys to let me know on social media, and I'll tell you guys in a second where you can find me. Um, and let me know what you guys think of these possibilities, uh, whether you like them, whether you don't, whether you think they're possible or not. And also let me know what you think of – the prospects I was talking about. And if there's anybody that I missed, uh, please let me know because I would love to hear from you Devils fans and hockey fans in general. It would mean a lot. But with that being said, that is going to do it for this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast. As always, thank you guys so much for taking some time to listen to this, uh, especially you Devils fans. Um, if you're just taking a listen for the first time, welcome aboard. If you're a Devils fan or a hockey fan, if you just want to listen to a, pod, a hockey podcast, you know, please check this one out. It's a lot of fun. We have some guests. We have some great topics. Uh, you know, this is only the seventh episode of the first season of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And I hope you guys stick around uh, for the long journey because I'm going to be here for quite some time. Uh, I'm sure to the relief of uh, Isha and Dylan and everybody at the Hockey Pod Network. But if you like this and you want to check out more, go to the hockeypodcastnetwork.com where you can check out all the different episodes from Devil's State of Mind and all the other podcasts we have on the HPN. We also are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, basically, if you just search Hockey Podcast Network or Devil's State of Mind, you will find, you know, the episodes. We post a new episode every Monday, so I'm recording this on Sunday, July 19th. This will come out tomorrow, July 20th. Uh, if you're listening to this on that day, you're, you know, I recorded this yesterday, um, so you could check that out. Um, you could also, you could also just, like I said, check out any of the other podcasts that are out there. Uh, we have some great characters, some great hosts. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We all talk about our teams and the, the sport of hockey in general, and things are going to ramp up once the 2014 playoff gets underway. So you definitely want to stick around. You can follow the hockey podcast, hockey podcast number, excuse me, at hockey pod. Um, you can check them out on, on Twitter, Instagram, um, and everywhere else. Uh, we have a Twitter account and Instagram and Facebook page for Devil's State of Mind. The Twitter is at Devil's State. The Instagram is at Devil's State of Mind. And our Facebook page, if you just search Devil's State of Mind, you'll find it, where you can stay up to date with new episodes that we post every single Monday. I have a personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W. I tweet about all sports and everything that I, that I enjoy. So if you want to talk about other sports, you know, or the Devils in Hockey, we could talk about it there. I have an Instagram at NVPQB11. And I also have a sports podcast and YouTube channel called Mofobo Network. Um, on the podcast and the YouTube channel, we talk about things that are going on in the world of sports. We have a very special guest coming up this week. We usually post new episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays for the podcast and a new YouTube video every single Wednesday. So if you want to check out more of that, you go to Anchor, Spotify, and search my name, Neil Villapiano, or Mofobo Network Podcast, and you will find it. And then just go on YouTube and like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network YouTube page. Just search my name, Neil Villapiano, or Mofobo Network, and you will find it. We have a Facebook page, just Mofobo Network, just like Devil's State of Mind, where you can stay up to date with new podcast episodes, as well as new YouTube 
video. So please go check that out as well. If you want to listen to, listen to more of my pretty voice, um, definitely go check those out. It would mean a lot to me, and I appreciate the support as always. And last but certainly not least, as I love to do these self plugs, and as everybody at the HPN always says that I have like a paragraph and a half uh, outro, uh, go check out my book on Amazon, J-E-T-S, Pain, Pain, Pain. It's pretty much about the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know somebody who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, go check it out on Amazon right now. It's available for hardcover and ebook for the price of $19.69. And if you're a Jets fan or a football fan, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So please go check that out. I'm in the process of writing another book revolved around another New York sports team. So in a couple months, it'll be out, and you guys will definitely, I'll definitely promote that as well. And go check that out also, you know, because it would definitely mean a lot to me. And as always, on these social media networks, let me know what you think of the book. I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, it would mean a lot to me. I appreciate the support, so go check it out. So thank you all very much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. Please, everyone, continue to be safe. If you're going out, just wear a mask. Practice social distancing. Like, it really isn't that hard. We're trying to flatten the curve as much as possible. And if you guys are doing that, if we're all doing it, then we're going to get, you know, a vaccine and, you know, kill off this virus uh, sooner rather than later. So please do that. Thank you, as always, to all the essential workers out there, because without your tireless efforts, we would not be in a relatively safe position like we are right now uh, without you guys working. So thank you guys very much. Thank you to everyone who listened today and rock on. Woo!